When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The names behind the numbers. The stories behind the names. This is the Her Hoop Stats Podcast with John Little. You're not at your normal training facilities. You know, you're in a hotel for three months. The whole thing is different and it forces you to communicate and problem solve together in different ways than you would in a normal season. The biggest newsmakers, the best storytellers, the Her Hoop Stats Podcast. Here's your host, John Little. Is this really happening? Are we really getting a women's basketball season in the WNBA? Looks that way. Welcome into the Hurry Hoop Stats Podcast. I'm your host, John Little. Great to have you here. And it's been a long, long time since women's basketball games that really mattered have been played. So since early March, right, the very uh, early stages of the pandemic and on that Thursday when everything started getting shut down, I was sitting at a scores table in Katy, Texas, just outside of Houston, for the Southland Conference Tournament, we were about ready to start the quarterfinals, the first game on the women's side of that tournament. And just before, I mean, the, the, the starting lineups had happened. I mean, the whole deal, I mean, it was, it was surreal. We just kind of stopped down and took a pause as we were on the air. And it became apparent that they were making decisions as to whether or not we would proceed forward with that game. Eventually, after about a 15-minute delay, that game didn't happen. Neither did so many of the other conference tournament games on the women's side that were about to be played. And now, here we are, months and months later, finally, this week, we're supposed to get some basketball that counts and certainly can't wait for it. And I've been waiting for an opportunity to bring you kind of inside that bubble and and talk to somebody one-on-one who is inside the wobble in Bradenton and is dealing with this unique situation and trying to start the season there. And that's where we get the opportunity to talk to L.A. Sparks head coach Derek Fisher. Coach Fisher in his second year as the head coach of the L.A. Sparks. Some pretty good success in that first year after taking over after Brian Agler left the team. This second year, Probably just he was hoping to, you know, kind of build a little bit, uh, add a piece here and there, and maybe even have an opportunity to compete for a championship, and certainly he still does. 
but man, uh, this is not what anybody expected coming into this year. So uh, we talk a little bit about just his changes as a coach, his changes of his objective, uh, how these challenges uh, challenge him as a coach. That's a lot of challenges in a row and how it uh, is tough for his team as well. Also talk about no home court advantage, plus maybe some greater access for those watching games this year as well from the Wubble and if he's been approached by anybody to give some greater access this year. So a good conversation with a very busy Coach Fisher as he gets ready to start his season with the L.A. Sparks. Appreciate you having me, John. Absolutely. I, I know this is so unique uh, for everybody that's experiencing what you guys are in Bradenton right now. How weird has this been trying to start a season in the bubble in Bradenton? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think, you know, weird is a, is a word sometimes that that you think of. I think abnormal, you know, challenging. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think, you know, like many things in life, you also have to try and find and, and work to find the the opportunities, the things that can be or are positive about an experience, although, you know, it being something that you've never done before. So we're trying our best, you know, to to respect the fact that we, we, we still are in a position where, you know, we're involved in the game of basketball when and this is our job and, and we play, you know, we work at a game. And there are many people around the country and around the world that um, are without any kind of job um, and don't have an opportunity to go to work, even if it is in a bubble. So we're, we're trying to keep a, a thankful and, and grateful mindset as well. Hey, that's a great positive for sure. Is another one of the positives just being back together with some people that you love after so long where you're not able to, we're not able to, even some of us see uh, family members that we love these days uh, because of COVID? Yeah, for sure. I, I think that, um, you know, which we'll find out, I guess, the, 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 the true impact of the, the, the isolation and the quarantine that, that many of us have experienced, uh, whether it's with, with our own family unit at home or, or uh, you know, those that. Uh, don't necessarily have big family units, but have really been in um, in, in certain levels of self-isolation. Uh, and so coming together as a group and as an organization, um, even though it's not everyone in, in our in our organization, uh, I do think we've found some solace and uh, uh, some connection uh, and, and a support system, uh, you know, in coming together here in Bradenton. And we're trying to, uh, you know, make the most of that and, and, really you know try and bind together and 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 be really close as a team you know not just in terms of basketball but as people as well because we we've all been impacted by the things that have taken place in our country and, and around the world no doubt we have and as any player or athlete would i, I know that you want to get better as a coach as you move uh, on to your next year how did you think about coming into this year before COVID-19 and how do you think about it now? Has it changed at all the way you wanted to grow as a coach? Uh, good question. I, I don't, I don't think it changed. I do think that I think the concepts of, of the, you know, two things that come to mind that I really felt like were, were going to be important uh, remain the same in terms of pre-COVID and, and while we're still experiencing levels of COVID that aren't, you know, great to have to still manage. But I think that COVID has changed, I think, all of our mindsets on how uh, mortal and um, short life can be, right? And how we're we're not in control of the way 
life plays out on this earth. Like there, there's a higher power and there are things that we can't control and that you don't, you don't have always the amount of time to, you know, figure things out some years from now, right. That, that there's always kind of a sense of urgency you should operate with in terms of getting better at something. Uh, and so that's what really COVID has done for me. And I think the two things are, are, you know, really our culture, um, and our relationships. And those are the two things that for me from year one to year two, um, those two things allow the X's and O's to actually work. Uh, if you are not in relationship and, and connected to each other, if we don't all care about the organization and, uh, you know, show a willingness to sacrifice like me for we, um, then you get, I don't care what you try to run, it's not going to work. Uh, and that to me, that's what, you know, held us back from winning a championship or at least having a chance to last year is we just didn't know each other well enough to be able to stay in there when it got hard. And now, you know, we've worked really hard to be able to do that this season. And it obviously is hard right from the beginning this year, but uh, we're, we're going to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're talking about having some really unique mental toughness to get through everything um, this year. And I, I was going to ask, and I'll go ahead and ask it, but then I'll I'll expand it to your team in a moment. Uh, but how do you think you can use this unique challenge to become a better coach? And then how do you hope that your team uses this, uh, you know, this concept of, uh, of playing in a bubble and things like that to, to be a better team. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that this, this experience, you know, one, I think being in the WNBA to start with, um, I, I think as a coach, uh, there's a level of engagement that is required, even as a head coach due to, you know, what we hope to be growing resources one day, but a, a limitation in the amount of staff and, the money that can be spent on on the type of staff and resources and facilities and things that you need to really operate as an elite sports team. And so you you have to wear more than just one hat as a coach in the WNBA, regardless of whether you're a head coach or assistant coach, it's, it's more than that. Um, and so I think that has accelerated the learning curve for me, um, you know, compared to, you know, my year and a half, two years in New York, uh, you know, when you're a head coach in the NBA, it's, it's different. Uh, and so now here in this situation in 2020, um, it's even more of a wearing multiple hats type of experience this season for all of us, um, you know, where we're all dealing with, you know, rosters that have been players, certain players have opted out. Um, you know, you're at IMG Academy, you only have a certain amount of coaches, a certain amount of staff. Um, you don't, you're not at your normal training facilities. Uh, the things that you, you know, you're in a hotel for three months, you're, you're like the whole thing is different and it forces you to communicate and problem solve together in different ways than you would in a normal season. And I, those are, those are things that are good to, you know, I think to grow in a, as a coach as well. And you bring it up, the evolving rosters this offseason, and within a matter of just, uh, you know, a week or two, rosters are changing, and they're even changing now for multiple reasons. With that in mind, did you watch and do you watch how the rest of the league is playing out to assess how your sparks kind of stack up against everybody else? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that, um, you know, as a competitor, you're always pushing yourself to be the best version that you can be uh, in terms of your, your performance. But 
you know, you're also keeping an eye on, you know, what other competitors are doing, you know, and, and how they're moving and operating and what it is that you need to do to, to keep the edge, you know, to stay in front. Um, and so, you know, the WNBA, again, with, with, with there only being 12 teams, there, there are not many nights off, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of concentrated density and talent, um, that really forces you to, to come to play every night. Uh, and so, you know, we, we feel confident in, in who we are, um, going into the season pre COVID. And then even now, you know, with our roster being somewhat different, uh, we still feel confident that we can compete against anybody and, and we'll, you know, we'll see how it goes. We're still, we're going to have to go out there and play the games, but, you know, we feel good about where we are. An abbreviated season, obviously, and a shrunken down time between games for the most part. You know, how much does not having to travel, how big will that be, do you think, for the legs of not only your team, but but the rest of the players? How big of a deal is that? And, and do you anticipate that will take off um, some of the pressure of having to play um, so many games in so few days? Yeah, good, good point. I, I do believe that um, there can be some uh, some gains, you know, from not having to, to, to travel and, you know, be on and off airplanes and changing time zones and the level of inflammation and, and, um, pressure that it creates in the body, uh, of, of any person. But on top of, you know, when, when, when you're an athlete and, and you're competing hard and you're on and off airplanes, uh, consistently, it, it does intensify the normal levels of inflammation that we all have in our bodies. Uh, and so when you remove that from the process, I think it does help and aid in, in some recovery and being able to perform on a more consistent basis. Um, but, you know, if you're playing four games in seven days, uh, even if you're not traveling, you know, you're playing against the best basketball players in the world, uh, you're still going to get worn down. So, you know, we're going to have to be smart about the, the way we prepare and, and, you know, allow our players to recover in between games. Um, but we're still going to have to bring it, you know, as long as there is a season and the games are on, on the schedule, we're going to have to find a way to get it done, uh, regardless of how many days with travel, without travel. <laughs> and, you know, so we'll, we'll see, um, but everybody will be in, in the same boat and, you know, I don't, and nobody can complain really about the structure of it. We'll all be dealing with the same thing. And one of the aspects of that boat is that there's truly no home court advantage for anybody this season. And I was thinking about this, especially with your team. You've gotten such great fan engagement, great turnout. I mean, just a, a state-of-the-art facility to play in. How do you think that's going to impact game play uh, there in Florida? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think that, um, you know, home court advantage in, in a lot of sports, you know, situations is real. Um you know, the home crowd, you know, players having family and loved ones and, and um, you know, sleeping in your own bed. And, and there's a routine that comes with, you know, when you're at home uh, that in particular the great teams in sports, right? Historically, the championship teams have been really great dominant teams at home. Uh, and so when you start talking about basically every game being at a neutral site, uh, I, I don't know, it, it could level the playing field in a way that, makes the games even more competitive than they normally would be. Uh, the W is a hard place to win on the road. Uh, the way the teams and players have to travel, um, 
you know, your, your, your staff is limited. You don't get to take certain people on the road. So you really um, are showing up at a deficit in a lot of ways. And, and so, you know, in, in this case, everybody's coming to the game with the same thing. Um, and so we'll see, it, it should make for some interesting basketball. And I think it'll take the players a while to find their best rhythm, but um, it, it'll come along soon enough. It looks like a lot of games will be picked up by national television, maybe even, you know, a greater uh, percentage than normal, which is very, very nice. Have you been approached at all about uh, anything that the coaches are going to be asked to do to make it a better television product? I'm sure you've been mic'd up in the past and things like that, but like consistently being mic'd up or or other unique things that, that might be coming for fans this year. Uh, you know what, John, I had not thought about that to this point but you definitely just kind of scared me a little bit there because I, I can only imagine <laughs> uh, the things that they're gonna probably ask of us um in particular in a situation where you you know you don't have uh you know the arena and the, and the, the stadium and, and the home fans and a lot of the things that come with being in those venues uh that that entertain the fans at home that are fun to show on television so we're going to need to engage um you know, fans in, in a particular way. So, you know, I'm just, I'm going to keep an open mind and, um, you know, make sure that even if there are things that I normally wouldn't be comfortable with, you know, trying to do or allowing in terms of access, um, that is so important to do whatever we can to grow this game uh, in the WNBS. It's a great game and these ladies deserve so much more support and recognition and awareness uh, so, you know, whatever adjustments I have to make to do right by them, you know, I'll, I'll be willing to do it. And just a final thought from you. Is there anything more the WNBA can do to make the most of this unique moment in this in the sports landscape where you don't have that in-person audience, but the TV audience should be bigger? Social media audience certainly is locked in. Anything that you've thought of that, that can help grow the game during this unique time? Um... No, not not that immediately comes to mind, but I, but I do believe, um, you know, we have to continue to make sure that we are engaging uh, the folks that are that have supported this league for for a long time, um, and that will still be supporting and watching and following. Like you said, um, I, I think we have to continue to show a level of connection uh, to the, the conversations and the discussions and and the passion behind. Uh, racism in America and social injustice and and the role that these players play uh, in continuing to share their messages and what they believe in. Uh, I think we also have to continue to show uh, respect to COVID and what families are going through at home and that when they turn on a WNBA game, it, it could be, you know, for a couple of hours, uh, just a way to, to look at women being graceful and powerful and and, uh, you know, performing in a way that gives them some inspiration to continue to battle and fight through the things that they're fighting through. So um, there's a lot on the line, and hopefully we can put it all together. There he is, Derek Fisher, the head coach of the L.A. Sparks here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. I really appreciate him calling in, 
being a part of the podcast. It means a lot to me, and thanks as well to Eli Horowitz, uh, who does media relations for the LA Sparks, for believing in this podcast and helping us uh, wrangle Coach Fisher for a few minutes here in the preseason. Got some other things planned, WNBA-wise, for this week, so be on the lookout. Looking forward to bringing those to you. And not only that, we've got the Unplugged podcast, where we do a little bit more of uh, the prognostication, the speculation on uh, what's happening and what's not in the WNBA. We're also going to put out a lot of content this week on Her Hoop Stats to get you ready for the season, including some power rankings. You know, we all power ranked the uh, Wubble, and we'll let you in on basically our championship picks before the season starts and who we think's at the top, who we think's at the bottom. And I've just got to say, man, incredible respect for these women that have uh, uprooted their lives, taken it all to Bradenton to play basketball. I know that the game means so much to them that they would decide to do this. And I know it's been a tough decision for even some of them as well, but obviously we're all wishing for the very best for everybody in Bradenton and for a safe and healthy start to the season. And this time next week, we're going to be talking about the results of the first games from Bradenton. The executive producer of the Her Hoop Stats podcast is Aaron Barzalai. Big thanks to Susie Solis for our announcing, and our music is by Jared Deck. JaredDeckMusic.com. I'm your host, John Little, reminding you at the Her Hoop Stats podcast, we're unlocking better insight about the women's game. Her Hoop Stats. Her Hoop Stats.